3: Welcome to Squanderlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money, why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions, and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Martha Lawton. Today, I'm talking to Dennis Hahlakis, founder of Cambridge Money Coaching, about money archetypes and taking an intuitive approach to fixing your relationship with money. But first, I have a little request. We work hard to bring you a show that's not only informative, but hopefully useful. And we'd like to help more people. And for that, we need you. Please tell a friend about Scondalust or post a link to your favorite episode on social media and help us start a more open conversation about the emotional side of money. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome, Dennis. Tell our listeners a bit about yourself.
4: Thank you, Martha. So my name is Dennis Harhalakis. I am a certified money coach and I set up a company called Cambridge Money Coaching. Uh, I work with couples, and individuals to help them understand and manage the money in their lives. And that sounds like a kind of broad topic. Um, and it's something that came to me after spending many years in the financial services industry was that we didn't really understand very much about how we think and behave around money. Uh, I'd spent a long time helping people manage money and do investments and all sorts of things. But I fundamentally didn't really understand about how I felt about money and how it Made me feel so I trained as a money coach with the Money Coaching Institute of California that was in two thousand and eighteen and it's transformed my approach to how I feel about myself and how I feel about money uh, how I make decisions around money and how I communicate around money and I felt it was really important to help other people uh, come to the you know the same the same level of understanding around themselves and money. So that is uh, broadly what I do and kind of a little bit how I got here.
3: Amazing. Um, That sounds fantastic. So um, tell us a bit about how about what money coaching is and how it's different from financial advice.
4: Money coaching is predominantly focusing on the helping people understand how they think and feel and behave around money. Most of the financial advisory stuff is really about how can we uh, advise you on cash flow investments. You need a certain amount of money at a certain point in time, how much you need to save, how much you need to invest, how much do you need to grow. Um, And and all of those things are great. Um, It's a very sort of linear process. We try and find out what your goals are and then plug some numbers into a cash flow calculator or a spreadsheet and tell you this is what you need to do. But it doesn't really address the fundamental question of how you think about money, how you think about yourself and how you think about yourself and money. And so it doesn't really help you understand uh, what your decision making process is around money. Why is it that some of us uh, struggle to save? Why is it that some of us have money and always feel like we've never have enough? Uh, why is Why is there never enough? Why is there... Why do people feel guilty about money? Why do people um, feel anxious about money? Why do some people feel shame about money? I mean, I think what it really comes down to, or the, the root of it all, is that money is this thing that runs through our lives. We need it every single day to, to do transactions and to live and to buy all the stuff that we need to get through life. But very, very few people were ever shown how to understand it or manage it. And so you have this situation where you really, really need to understand how something works. No one's shown you how how it works. And that generally leads to mistakes and failures. And that's okay because essentially that's really how we learn about everything in life. But the problem with money is that we internalize our failure with it. We look at it and we go, why can't I do this? So when clients come to me, very often they've started on a on a journey which starts with, how do I do this? And then, why can't I do this? <laughs> why is this so hard? Mm. And then they end up in the space which is, why can't I do this? What's wrong with me? And the reason <laughs> you can't do this is because no one ever showed you how. It's not because there's anything wrong with you. It's It's so if if I said so martha can you um can you use a chainsaw <laughs> uh
3: no, I should not be allowed to even try and use a chainsaw. I am okay. one of the most clumsy people you will ever meet um but right. no I've also never been told
4: <laughs> does that does that worry you? Does that cause you shame or embarrassment the fact that you can't use a chainsaw, and if you did, you you'd probably be arrested <laughs> is that does that do you feel like you're uh, less of a person because you can't do that
3: because because I can't use a chainsaw. Um, no, I am I am not ashamed of that. I'm I'm slightly ashamed of the fact that I can't put shelves up because uh I I'm one of these people who can't draw a straight line with a ruler. Um oh. so that's slightly embarrassing. But um but no, using a chainsaw that is a skill that I cannot I I, I don't feel any way about at all. That's very neutral for me.
4: It is, and you probably can't fix a boiler and you don't worry too much about fixing a boiler. In fact, there's lots and lots of things that you can't do and lots and lots of things I can't do. I am actually very handy with a chainsaw, but that's not really the point. The point (laughs) is that um, you don't internalize that as a failure on your part. You don't look at that and go, I can't use a chainsaw. What's wrong with me? Um, But when faced with money, people struggle with this. They go... I can't do this what's wrong with me and so the money thing is at least when I when I work with people a lot of it starts around self-compassion which is no one showed you how to do this stuff you are going to fail it's not straightforward and because as a society we uh, have this taboo around it we live in a silence around it it's not easy to go I'm really bad with my finances. Is there something wrong with me, or can somebody help me, or does this make sense? Very few people have got the guts to do that, um, so we sort of suffer in silence around this, and we internalise it. Uh, so that's kind of my little sort of monologue as to as to what money coaching does and where it starts from. Because, and um, we really need to understand this thing called money. Most of us have never been shown how to understand it, how to handle it, and um, when we fail. We internalize this and that blocks us from asking for help. Because if you think there's something wrong with you, you're worried about judgment from others, you worry about self-judgment, and it makes it really difficult to go and ask for help.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Your coaching specifically uses a really interesting idea. You use money archetypes. Can you tell me a bit more about money archetypes?
4: Money archetypes or archetypes in general... Are a tool that that psychology uses for people to identify subconscious beha- patterns and behaviours that they have. Uh, in the broadest sense, I think the one that is the most uh, familiar people people are familiar with the inner chimp. The inner chimp is is the one that misbehaves. The inner chimp's the one that gets you into trouble. The inner chimp is, or sometimes <laughs> the lizard brain. So that in itself is a yeah is an archetype and. And we go, oh, right, you know, my, my chimps playing up, I that was that wasn't great decision making, that wasn't great behavior, I was kind of triggered, I, the, the, that, that would be kind of a a very broad archetype. And within money, we go a little bit more granular. um, And we groups certain sets of behaviors into into archetypes. So the money coaching uses eight of them. um, And they've got names Mm -hmm. like innocent and victim and, and tyrant, and they're they're, ways of going ah oh, that's that that resonates with me so some of the archetypes are positive associated with positive behaviors and some of the archetypes are negative um and so we use archetypes for people to be able to say oh yeah that's that's how I sometimes am or that's me or that's what I do or that's what I do when I'm really upset or that's what I do when when I'm really happy there's this great quote from I think it's Jung which is um Unless we make the subconscious conscious, it will run our lives and we will call it fate.
3: Ah, oh, nice. I think yeah. I'm paraphrasing.
4: I think I didn't get it 100% <laughs> right, but it's something like that. So yeah. archetypes are a way of making the subconscious conscious so you can look at them and go, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I do that sometimes. Um, why is that? And because if you ask people directly, Mm. It's very difficult for them to say. If I was to, and, and You've done a lot of work on yourself and, and you've spent a lot of time in this space. So mm. if I was to say to you, Martha, you know, how do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about yourself and money? You could probably be fairly articulate and incisive around it. But most of us don't ask ourselves those questions.
3: Yeah, um, yeah I agree.
4: So it's very difficult to say how, how do you think or feel about money? But if I gave you a list of words and said, okay, do, do any of these resonate with you? Do any of mm. these... Um, come up for you, you know, for example, unforgiving, generous, Mm. loving, powerful, resentful, you know, you can go, oh, yeah, that's me, or that's not me, and we put those into archetypes, and we go, right, these are some of the things that are coming up for you around money, these are some of the things that you feel around money, let's look at those, and let's look at the positive ones, and then we're going to forgive ourselves for the negative ones, because you didn't choose those negative behaviours, Nobody chooses to be sad. nobody chooses to be anxious, no one chooses to be guilty. We don't choose our emotions. They come up for us around things that we are reactive around. So when I said to you, "Can you you know do you feel guilty or ashamed around chainsaws?" you go, "No mm-hmm. I don't right? You don't associate you have so but you didn't choose not to be guilty or ashamed around chainsaws. There's just no emotion attached to you around that. Um, But if we were to talk about some of uh, your money behaviors or some of the areas in your life that um, have deep-seated emotions attached to them, Mm -hmm. those emotions would come up for you. You didn't choose them. Um, They come up for you. And again, if if you bring that into the light and go, okay, let's have a look at that. Let's be curious about that. Where does that guilt come from? Where does that shame come from? There's no judgment. It's just, let's have a look at it. Where did it come from? And you didn't choose that. So it doesn't have to own you. You can move forward from this once you understand where it comes from. If you don't, if it sits in your subconscious, it's going to hijack you and it's going to hijack your decision making process all
3: the time. Interesting. You mentioned Jung and um, I did a little bit of background reading on on the archetypes and this idea and Jung. And I think one of the interesting things is this is uh, more of an intuitive than uh, really a scientific approach. Mm. Um, And I know you also use sort of scientific approaches about the functioning of the brain and so on in your coaching, but it's really interesting that something that is really Like I said, a more of an intuitive idea can still be so useful because as I did some of that background reading, I also came across some terms that I'd sort of seen and found useful in uh, therapy in the past around mm. other kinds of archetypes. And, and so it was definitely interesting for me to to do that reading and, and see where some of that came from. So um, when we put the show notes up, I will also uh, stick some links in around that so people can can do a bit more reading if that's something they want to explore and understand. Um, So, shall we go through what the archetypes are and some of the behaviours we might see from them? I've got a little list here, so I can kind of give you some prompts, Um, if if that will help.
4: Um, So, there are eight of them. Uh, Three of them are positive, and three of them have uh, nice features, but are not necessarily positive uh, for your life. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's start with the innocent, because the innocent is the one that I see most in my clients and also most... Generally, in life, um mm. because it stems from the fact that most people weren't shown how to manage their finances, so the innocent is almost taking the ostrich approach to money matters. They often live in de- <laughs> <laughs> they live in <laughs> denial, they bury their heads in the sand, so they won't mm. have to see what's going on around them. um The innocent is easily overwhelmed by financial information um mm. and often relies heavily on the advice and opinion of others. Um, They are the most trusting of money archetypes, um, but they often feel powerless. They seek rescue. They're financially dependent. They repress feelings and beliefs, and they're generally fearful. Uh, Their primary fear is abandonment, um, Ah. and their goal is safety at all costs. Right. Um, And our brains are very much wired to... Look for, for danger. That is how you stay alive. Mm-hmm. You look for danger and you avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the human brain is amazing because, uh, unlike most other mammals, we can see into the future, you know, envisage futures. We can create future scenarios for ourselves, and that's fantastic. So we can plan for them, but it also means that we're always on the lookout for danger. And if you're not confident about yourself, or you're not confident about money and money and yourself, then and the innocent archetype if you have a high innocent archetype it plays into that into that space by imagining uh, lots of things that to be fearful about now i just want to say at the the outset that all of us have most of these archetypes in us you're not one primary archetype necessarily and you are you are not that archetype it's just where you are in time and i think if you looked at yourself and your journey uh over the last oh, I don't know how many, how many years it would be, Martha, maybe 10, maybe more. <laughs> if, if you were to, to to look at yourself from 10 years ago mm. compared to now, you've been on an on amazing journey of self-awareness. So all of these things that we're going to talk about here in terms of archetypes are just where you are. They're not who you are. They're not what you are. They're just where you are at a, at a point in time in the way that as a child you used to make certain decisions in certain ways and you don't feel and make those decisions in the same ways anymore.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think that's super important to bring out because people have a tendency to put themselves into boxes when they hear things like this. Mm. Um and they'll say, "Oh, you know, almost like people do with star signs or things like that, they, you know, they, "Oh, I'm I'm this thing and that's that's all of me." Yeah. Um, and you know, for some people, that's a very comfortable thing. They, they can sort of define themselves in a way and say, right, okay, this is what I am. And and that's, uh, it's almost an abnegation of responsibility, right? I'm an innocent. Therefore, I don't need to do anything because that's just who I am. Whereas actually, when you understand that it's where you are and that your reactions are a blend of these things rather than any single one, then you understand that it can change and that you change and that growth is possible. Um, growth being possible is always a challenging idea for people because on the one hand, um, it's wonderful and, you know, possibilities are great and, th- and that opens out your future for you. Um, but it also brings responsibility to actually make that change, which, you know, obviously is a, a little challenging and scary sometimes for people where uh, you know, a-, a box to be put in might feel like quite a comfortable space. However, I will say <laughs> I personally am absolutely hate being put in a box. Um, Mm. I hate being told this is your archetype for this thing or this is you you are a you have this tendency anything anybody who does a little quiz that that tells me you know which one of these 12 whatever are you Uh, I'll Mm. do it possibly Um, I'll get my answers back uh, and then I'll have a rage because it's completely <laughs> inaccurate. It's nothing like me. I'm I'm 100% different from this. Um, how dare you? Who is this basic person? Uh, um, right. Yeah, no, stop it. So that's- I was very happy when you made it really clear to me and to everybody here, A, that no one is any single one, everybody's kind of a blend, but also this is not who you are and what you are. It's, it's just the place you're at right now. So I think that's A, it's important, but B, yeah, I have a personal reaction (laughs) to this as well. Like I said, um, those kind of uh, labelling things always get my hackles up really badly.
4: (laughs) You're you're not not alone in that. And I think you're absolutely right. I'm much more complex than that. How can you tell me that after a five-minute test you think you know me? Mm. Um, So, well, we don't need to get into kind of whether that's a threat to our sense of identity and, and how we can feel defensive about it. but. (laughs) <laughs> the point here i think is 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 that you're really we're just this is a starting point for a conversation about some mm. of the things that um are challenging for people to talk about um yeah. and yeah. you're absolutely right absolutely. this is a question of agency and this is a question of journey and it's okay if no one's shown you how to do something for you to find it difficult or challenging, and for you to go, Well, no one ever showed me, and you know, my mom or my dad was was never good with money, and we're never good with money, and that's just how I am. The lesson for the innocent is to claim their own power and mm. to learn to find safety in the knowledge of their own capabilities. Because a lot of people, this is just about money, this is just about money. A lot of people can go, Oh, well, no one showed me how to do that, but I'm also great at a whole bunch of other things. The next one is the victim. Uh, And none of these are really nice names. (laughs) (laughs) The positive ones, we have positive ones. We'll come on to those in a minute. But (laughs) victim is associated with behaviours like uh, blaming others prone to living in the past. Um, Sometimes they can be passive aggressive. Sometimes victims appear as innocents because they seem powerless and they want others to take care of them. Um, But the victim mentality is more associated with the conscious or subconscious ploy to get others to do for them what mm-hmm. they refuse to do for themselves. Um, victims have a great list of excuses for why they're not more successful or what more, more this. Um, and they're all based on their own historical mythology about things that have happened to them. Now, victims often have had things that have bad things that have actually happened okay. to them. And they may have suffered loss or been abused or betrayed um but when you don't face your pain it turns on you um and they're looking to be rescued from that part of their lives so healing from past wounds is very important and holding on to those past wounds blocks you from moving forward and very often that's just again no one chooses to be a victim no one chooses to be an innocent these are things that come out of our subconscious childhood inheritance, the way our parents behaved around us, the way they made us feel, uh, and how we've moved forward from that or not, as the case may be. So that's the victim. Um, they need to heal from their past wounds.
3: Mm. I think that's one of the things about uh, the victim, because victim gets a really bad, sort of bad rap. Um, mm. You hear people throwing the term victim mentality at Others as a way of, of asking them to shut up, essentially, um, particularly when they're talking about trying to uh, increase social justice or they're talking about past hurts in order to try and change something more structural. And I do think that, you know, that term kind of gets weaponized sometimes, but there's a really important distinction between how that term gets used to try and silence people and then what we mean about it in this context where what we're saying here is that if you have got trapped into feeling that you are in some way a victim you are you're generalizing from a past experience Mm. to the point where you're saying your future experiences will always be the same as well um and you're not acknowledging that there is a way for you to improve your future
0: um
3: and that is that's where it, it is a it's a challenging one to think about this one it is there's some subtlety around it but it's it's um it's about the person not only feeling that they have been done unto but also that acknowledging that they have survived being done unto you know acknowledging yep. the strength it's taken to get to this point where so somebody who's stuck in a victim place doesn't really acknowledge the strength it's taken for them to do whatever recovery they've done so far and that Absolutely. they can apply that strength that they have so far to the future and create a better future and that they don't need to generalize from those negative past experiences and always assume that they will always be victimized and they will always experience the worst in the future as well.
4: Yeah, that's a great point. And also it comes back to a question of agency. So when you mm. sit in in victim mentality, uh, you give away your agency, you give away your strength, you give away your power to take control of the future for yourself. Mm. Um, mm. And that is that is why it's a, it's a trap. And I would also like to say that... All, we're using words like victim and innocent, but there's no judgment around this. This is, mm. this is, I come from a place of deep compassion because um, we don't choose these things for ourselves. They happen to us. And based on how we process stuff, we can end up stuck in, in, in various dark, dark places. So most of my clients work with my clients is around releasing themselves from these in These uh, negative archetypes from those behaviours that, that manifest themselves in those archetypes and realising that they can do that. All of this is possible. Nobody, You don't choose to be in these spaces. Um, and when you understand that, when you forgive yourself, you can move forward from all of it. So, yeah, absolutely.
3: So we'll take a little break there, but uh, we'll be back shortly and we'll have more on money archetypes.
0: Welcome back. We're
3: talking to Dennis Hahalakis about money archetypes.
4: Let's move on to a positive one.
3: Let's talk about the warrior. Excellent.
4: Um, the warrior sets out to conquer the world. The warrior is the archetype of action, um, and they're generally successful in business. They are focused, decisive, in control, they make their own decisions. And they rely on their own instincts and resources to guide them. Um, they can be disciplined and goal orientated and confident and calculating. And they are generally the, um, yes, as I said, the archetype of action. Um, most of us have a little bit of warrior in us. Some people are stronger warriors uh, and others. And, and warrior is always a, a, a positive thing. Um if you were never shown how to tap into your inner warrior, if you were told you're not good enough, or you were told, oh, oh, you'll never come manage anything, or you were told, and and there's a lot of negative messaging that goes on on, around in childhood from our environment, from from school, then you've you've got your warrior in you, but it's never been allowed to bloom. So we talk Mm -hmm. about, and, and very often people don't recognize what's in them. They don't recognize that they have a bit of warrior in them and they don't recognize that it's that it's there and it can be built. They just don't think of themselves that way. So the warrior is a good archetype. We all have a bit of warrior in us. And in money coaching, we look at where that came from. We celebrate that and we work on ways for people to build their warrior up.
3: Amazing. The warrior sounds like a an archetype that needs to be kind of trained to be, to reach its potential on some level, it's sort of the part of you that with, that grows with with your knowledge, that grows with your experience, that grows with your, I mean, your experience of success. It's almost like a, a synonym for self-efficacy, perhaps.
4: Yeah. Uh, and to refer back to what you just said about being trapped in victimhood, essentially, Gives away your warrior. You're giving it away. You're giving away the power that you have. You're saying, "Oh, you know, it's just, just all. It's the environment, or it's 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 this, or it's that. You know, uh, it's, it's I, I, I don't, I can't do anything about it. I'm trapped in this. Um, and so, yeah, it, you give away your powers that you have. Um, we all have the capacity to to change ourselves, and we all have the capacity to change our environments. We have things that we can control um the warrior takes the view that i can control this and i will control this uh, not in a an overly controlling is is tyrant and we'll come on to tyrant in a minute um so yeah the warrior is is the person that 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 believes in their own agency um has had that reinforced through childhood and has had takes learning experiences for what they are which is I'm going to get a lot of this wrong a lot of the time, um, but that is a core part of the journey to mastery. Mm. If you think about uh, someone, you look at them uh, an ice skater is always a great example. You'd see the ice skating, you go, "Oh, that's absolutely amazing!" Or the gymnasts. Mm -hmm. These people have the ice skating guys must have fallen on their butts, (laughs) (laughs) hundreds (laughs) of times, and they get up every single time. And each yeah. time is either a failure, if you want to mm-hmm. use that term, but I don't like that term, or it's just part of the way to achieve mastery.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: And I'm not trying to be cute with words. It's really about how you view that and how people have told you who you are and how that process works for you. So the warrior is is the warrior is the one of action, the one mm-hmm. who sees that, uh, setbacks are just part of the learning process
3: awesome awesome excellent um you mentioned you were going to talk about the tyrant is the tyrant the next one
4: uh the tyrant is someone that uses money to control people and Mm -hmm. events and circumstances the tyrants hoard money um, they have everything they need or desire but they never feel complete or comfortable or at peace. So a tyrant is really a warrior dialed up to a level that's very, very unhealthy. So interestingly enough, the mm. people that that have high tyrant are always fearful. There's never enoughness mm. about it. They're critical. They're aggressive. They're unforgiving. Um, they hoard money and they're self-interested. But all of these things come from a deep sense of fear and a deep sense of lack and woundedness in themselves. Um, and you can't heal that with money. Because mm. there's no number that's going to make you feel better about yourself. At least not on a permanent basis. Because there's always going to be someone with a bigger number. And it, it doesn't ultimately uh, address what's what's missing from your life. Um, so that is, that is the, the issue with tyrants. Tyrants can also be self-tyrants.
0: Uh, mm. so you
4: can be very hard on yourself um, and a lot of us are very hard on ourselves and um, it's not just other people we we, we treat ourselves badly uh, we have this little voice in our heads that tells us we don't deserve it and and we're mm. not good enough um, and we'll never be good enough and you were always like this and so self-tyrant is a, is an issue for people um tyrant in general, is is oppressive and and controlling to to themselves or or to others, um, and we see this interestingly enough. The move from warrior to tyrant is sometimes contextual. So, for example, under stress, we behave differently. Yes. So you can be going along fine, and then when you're anxious, or let's say you face financial difficulties or something one of the other archetypes comes out and one of the archetypes could be tyrant that that could be the tyrant that goes i need to control this i feel danger i feel unsafe it's out of control i need to control this i need to control you i need to control myself i need to control everybody because we're all in trouble here and it's it's all going to end badly unless i unless i step up and take charge of this Um, and so the tyrant can come out
5: the the, Mm. in
4: under certain circumstances there are people that are naturally inclined to that, um, mm-hmm. but there are also some of us that that morph into tyrant or possibly self tyrant when under threat.
3: Mm, interesting. Yes. Yes. I can see that. Yeah.
4: So again, with these with these archetypes, they are kind of where you are, and mm. also sometimes they can be dialed up. Sometimes they can be dialed down. Yeah. Um, but. All of that dialing up or down is subconscious based on on triggering events and reactivity around stuff, so being able to look at them and go, "Oh, yeah, I saw what happened there my um my innocent played up i just I just froze
5: mm-hmm.
4: or I'm normally fine with stuff, but in this particular case, I froze, so you could have someone that's you know fantastically good at some areas of their lives, but when it comes mm-hmm. to the money, they go oh i can't deal with it um and They're innocent plays up there, whereas they could be amazing at uh, at other things that are either intuitive to them or things that they feel they have control over.
3: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I get that. I get that.
4: So that's the tyrant. We all know tyrants. Mm. (laughs) We all grew up (laughs) with tyrants. Um, What I will say about tyrants, again, is they don't choose to be tyrants. In general, they don't choose to be tyrants. They're fearful they're scared um, and they need to heal the woundedness that's within them. And it's 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 hard. Uh, it's hard to be in that space. It's hard to recognise it.
3: Here's a question for you, actually. Um, so a tyrant, might a tyrant be somebody who has been told you have to be responsible for everything? It is always your responsibility. So might a tyrant be somebody mm. who's to a point that was inappropriate so so from too young an age or before they were given the the tools to do so or just in a way that was unhelpful to them to be told you know you cannot rely on other people you cannot rely on on anybody else you you must be a tyrant in a way because you will always be responsible because i can see that as being something that would bring up um that that sort of tyrant mentality that might be also a source of that anxiety and pain that you're talking about and, and the fear of of not being enough
4: that that probably plays into the martyr which we'll, we'll, we'll come on to next the tyrant okay, is it. more somebody who has always been told this is the way to behave this is how you should be right. this is how you get on in life you step on right. people and you keep them well away from you this is this is what you do uh, without right. wishing to sort of get into controversy I think if you look at uh Donald Trump that is how he was brought (laughs) up by his father uh to behave this is and this is how you keep yourself safe Uh you control others yeah and that and that's the way to do you use money you use abuse you use whatever else it is that's how you keep yourself safe is by controlling others so that's a pattern of behavior that um that people develop over time, but they have to be shown it. So the martyr is very busy taking care of others' needs, and so they Mm -hmm. often um, neglect their own. Um, They do more for others than themselves, and they rescue others, um, but they Mm -hmm. don't always let go of what they give, and very often they're let down when others fail to meet their expectations. So in in that sense, being told to... Always take care of people, um, leads them to develop this unconscious attachment uh, to their own Mm. suffering. So, you were really interesting to to, to pick up on that because the martyr moves between two energies. One seeks to be in control and control others, and the other is the wounded, needed, needy child. Um, So, they tend to be perfectionists, high expectations of themselves um, and also of others. So in some ways they're driven because they're high expectations. They work hard. They realize their dreams and they put a huge amount of energy into it. And they do rescue others. But um, part of that means, part of that perfectionism means being in control. Um, So they have a strong attachment to being right. Mm. (laughs) Um, So long-suffering, manipulative, perfectionist. Uh, controlling, critical, and judgmental. You're, it's a really interesting that you've picked up on the similarity between that and the um, and the tyrant.
3: Yeah, there's a, there's a phrase which I I don't necessarily agree with and like, but it is um it's worth keeping in mind sometimes, which is help is the sunny side of control. Hmm. Um. It's not always true. I mean, it's certainly a you know it's a bit of a controversial one in itself. Um. But it's certainly. It can be worth, um, worth bearing in mind because there's a, a term that I think, I think Gavin Becker used it. Um, he's another controversial figure, but um, he talked about loan sharking, emotional loan mm. sharking, um, mm. which is where somebody does you an un, unasked for favor early on in a relationship um, in order to then make you feel obligated towards them right um and i think that sort of ties into this sort of martyr idea it's it's somebody who go if i'm if i'm understanding correctly and do correct me if i'm wrong but it's somebody who who goes above and beyond in terms of what they're giving because they then want to be able to you know bind you to them by that obligation yeah uh,
4: it's not necessarily that directly conscious um, oh yeah and no, there is a genuine givingness to mm. it and what I take the loan shot um, analogy and dampen it down slightly I would say that they like to give but on their terms
5: mm, I'll sense. come and yes, babysit
4: yes. for you I'll come and do this for you I'll come and, and do that for you but you're going to know how much um, it's never freely given
3: yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. on
4: my terms, and and boy, am I going to remind you about that forevermore. <laughs> yes, um, yes. So there is a genuine uh, rescue mentality. Um, mm. There is a genuine help to it, but you need to you need to reciprocate. We need to honour that. You need to honour mm. the gift uh, right. that that I have. It comes right. with the price and I will determine the price. So the loan sharking thing is quite mm. interesting because sometimes the price may be too much. If I'd mm. known you were going to go on about it, I never would have asked you, is kind of how we how we look about yes. it and go, I never would have asked you for help if I'd known, you, you know, you were going mm. to do this and, and hold it over me all these years. <laughs>
3: um, <laughs> yeah, I I feel like there's um I feel like there are a lot of sitcom characters that we could probably kind of um yeah, probably kind of identify that, that fit into this model. They're all sitcom like
4: they're characters. In... We're all sitcom characters, and let's come That's to my
3: favourite.
4: because they're all exaggerations of the yes. human nature.
3: Yes. So yes, the archetypes
4: are. are all we've have them all in in our mm. sitcoms. Um, yeah, and of course the one that everybody loves is the fool. Mm. The fool and mm. um, the fool is brilliant. Um, the fool is restless, undisciplined. Is the fool plays by a different set of rules. The fool is always looking for a windfall of money and taking financial shortcuts. The fool loves opportunities <laughs> with a potential for high returns. They don't consider the likely odds. Um, interestingly, a f- we talk about a fool and his money are soon parted. Um, yeah. But fools often win because they roll the dice. They take chances. So, a fool, or a fool archetype, I should say, is a combination of warrior and innocent. I'm going to go nice. for it because I'm a warrior, but I'm an innocent because it means I'm not going to read the small print and I'm, I'm not going to worry about it.
3: <laughs> right. Yes.
4: Judgment yes, impaired, yes, yes. difficulty seeing the truth about things, getting caught up in the enthusiasm of the moment, caring little for details. Fool is fantastic and we all need to have a bit of fool in our lives um, in, yeah. in ourselves when I when I first did this I was zero fool and I was in a very dark place
5: oh, <laughs> there was no yes. fool in me yeah um, and yeah.
4: so the fool is the the fun guy so one of the interesting things when you look at this is you know there's that great bloke he's always buying everybody drinks he's fantastic and everything and that's great you love him and you fall in love with him but hang on a minute is this the person you want in charge of your finances when, when you've got? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: This is this is a guy with a great tip on a horse.
4: <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yes. eternal optimists, uh, the fool would give you the shirt on their back, not even realizing it was the last shirt they ever had. Um, yeah. They're eternal optimists. They set out to conquer the world, and they're easily distracted. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so they have FOMO, money mm-hmm. comes in, money comes out, it's great, mm-hmm. no problem at all, I can always make some more. Um, so the fool is not something, it's not an archetype that you want to have running your finances or ruling your life. But you need a little bit of fool, because otherwise you'd be very dull, and I think what what the word is, a fun sponge.
3: Oh, yes. Yeah. The, the Fool, the fool is, is kind of where joy lives, right? Um, yeah. And playfulness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. Excellent. Um, it, it, joy and playfulness and uh, willingness to explore, willingness to go on an adventure. Um, so in, in, when I talk to financial advisors about The Fool, this is the guy that's easily distracted by the 20% return and won't read the small print. You have to write <laughs> him in. You've got yeah, clients yeah, that yeah. won't invest, oh no, the stock market no, yeah. oh, no, that's that's not great, and you've got clients that go, yeah, twenty percent no problem at all, I love that. I love some of that crypto or whatever it is uh-huh. so yeah, um yeah. you know it's it's and and it's I love the fool because I have a very, very little fool in me, so um <laughs> but it's about reading the small print. It's about going, okay, there are some fantastic parts to this. Do you need yeah. that? Now, if you've got a combination of a fool and an innocent, so one partner is innocent and they're always worried about the future and the fool is always going, don't worry about it at all. Guess what? That's not very reassuring, Mm. (laughs) right? That's a very uh, challenging combination Mm. uh, for a relationship. Mm. Uh, And often that happens because we're attracted to what we don't have in ourselves,
5: Mm. Yeah,
4: what we see in others sometimes uh yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or, or sometimes it plays out based on um on on our on our childhood experiences so that's the fool interesting the, thank you the next one uh on my list is where are we the creator artist uh okay. so the creator artist is on a spiritual or artistic path
5: mm-hmm.
4: um, and it is kind of that what you think a creator artist is they find lif- living in the material world is difficult And they have this conflicted love-hate relationship with money. Um, They need money for the freedom it buys them, but they don't want to participate in the material world. Um, They're very much identifying with the interior world. They fear being inauthentic. And the problem with that is that you can't attract what you despise. So it becomes very difficult for them to manage this relationship with the thing they need in their lives, money to, to survive, but also... Something that that challenges them, um, so you end up in this kind of struggle for financial survival space, um, and they, as I said, they fear being inauthentic or, or, or not themselves. So it's it's mm-hmm. a challenge, um, but the creator artist is a a positive archetype to have in your life. You need vision. Um, you need to have a way of looking at the world that isn't tainted. Too much by the need for money or the desire for financial reward, and and so that's the the creator artist. They need to understand how to integrate the material and the spiritual worlds, mm. and be comfortable with that, yep. and not fight with it. Is yeah. really um, yeah. accept the world they live in and stop suffering from the tensions between the spiritual and material, uh, material worlds. You can't change the world, um, but you, you can, well, actually we can, if you try hard enough, but in, in many <laughs> senses, it's about, uh, accepting yourself from where you are in it and working with yeah. it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you can't make the world different by wishing it was, you can only make it different by acting and that, means you have to accept it as it is now first. You have to accept that it is what it is before you can do anything in it. Yeah, yeah, um, that makes in, sense. In,
4: and that's a parallel with ourselves. We have to accept mm. us for who we are and have compassion for who we are, and then we can change that. But we can't if we live in denial around or who we are or lack of acceptance around that Um. So, yes, that's that's an interesting parallel. Though. The last one is the magician. Yeah. The magician is the ideal money type. The magicians combine uh, some of the best aspects of each archetype uh, without any of the negative sides. And magicians are optimistic, but not blind. Uh, generous and loving, but not overly generous. So the fool would be overly generous. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with being generous. Overly generous uh, is, is a challenging pattern of behavior. Um, they're generous and loving, but not trapped like the, mar- the martyr. So they work right. hard and create wealth, but they're at peace with the world and they're at peace with themselves, so they don't morph into tyrant. Um, oh, wow. And they're very <laughs> much in touch with their great they're magicians. And they're very <laughs> much in touch with the, the spiritual side of life so in money coaching we we think of our financial lives as the car who's driving the car we ask uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) rhetorically um (laughs) you need the warrior to drive the car yeah you need the magician to sit up front because the magician is in touch with the spiritual side and you need the creator artist with the vision to sit on the back seat those are the three positive archetypes we all have all of them in our in, in us, and mm-hmm. money coaching works to uh identify them and build them up now the others, all the other five negative ones, we keep in the boot of the car <laughs> we, uh-huh. we let the fool out occasionally uh-huh. for some fun, but we don't yep. let the fool drive the car no. <laughs>
3: No, I can, I can see that. I can see that. So, so just to, to go back to that again, the warrior is driving, the magician is in the front seat. I assume yep. the, the magician kind of has the map maybe. Yes, and then the magician the creator... has
4: the vision. That's right. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah, And then the creator artist is, is the one who has sort of, uh, decided on the destination in a way is sort of seeing where, where we want to actually get to. It,
4: yes. is the, is the archetype of creativity.
3: Hmm. Amazing. Cool. Uh, And those
4: are our archetypes. We have those in us. And the use of archetypes is really for people to identify some of those patterns and work out which ones are not working for them and which ones Mm -hmm. are working for them. We celebrate the ones that are working and we forgive ourselves for the ones that are not working. It's not overnight. But it's Mm. so much more powerful when you can go, yeah, I get that. Now I understand why I did that. Now I know that that's not me. Now I know that there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. It just is the path that was mapped out from uh, the people around me. And now I can choose to be different. I can look at it and go, oh, yeah, I'm feeling a bit scared about that. I don't want to open that bill. Who is that archetype? Ah, oh, that's my innocent, isn't it? Okay. Well, why don't I tap into my warrior that says, you can manage this, you can take control of this, and hiding from it is never going to be the answer.
3: Dennis, it has been such an interesting ride to go through all of this stuff. Um, I've loved having you on the show. Thank Where you. can our listeners go to get a bit more information about this
4: they can find me at cambridgemoneycoaching. uk uh, that's probably the main the main spot everything's on there on my website the money type quiz that we talked about with the various archetypes is on there and uh, you're welcome it's free welcome to to take uh, the quiz and find out where you are or find out where which archetypes are at play in your life. And um, yeah, please sign up for my newsletter that comes out every couple of months. So it's not in your inbox six times a week. That's all right.
5: <laughs> um,
4: and yeah, I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm not very good on the other platforms. So please, <laughs> please come and find me on Cambridge Money Coaching. That's all one word. dot uk, not dot co. dot I thought I'd be clever and go dot uk, but. Okay, uh, you know, that's that's where I am.
3: Fantastic, that's superb. Thank you so much, Dennis. Um, it's been fantastic having you on the show. And uh, everybody, please check out Cambridgemoneycoaching.uk dot uk. Thank you. Thank
4: you, Martha. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
3: You've been listening to Squanderlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money, with me, Martha Lawton. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love one of those nice five-star reviews, too. Or you can tell a friend about us, maybe somewhere on social media where we're at squanderlustpod. You can also find us at squanderlustpod.com, where we put show notes, useful links, and ways to support the show. Squanderlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Alicia Cunningham, Charlie Brandon King, and Tom Berry. Our theme music is by Wardell Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed.
2: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.